This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. I invite you to grab a Bible and find your way to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. There's a black Bible there in the chairs uh, where you're sitting. So if you didn't come with a Bible this morning, would you go ahead and grab a black Bible? Um, Go ahead and grab a black Bible and uh, find your way to 2 Corinthians. It's so important to me that you actually have a Bible in your hands and that your eyes go toward the sacred scriptures. I'm a man made of dust, and I'm going to say some things about God's Word, and we believe that God uses the preaching of His Word to form and to shape His people. But the most important thing is that you hear a personal word directly from God to your heart, and that's going to come as your eyes are looking at the Word of God. So if you would, it might not be your normal practice to open up a Bible and to follow along. But this morning, I want to invite you to perhaps take a new step and to find your way to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you're tracking with me, if you found your way, just lift your Bible up, lift your phone up, let me know you're tracking with you, tracking with me, right on. I'll give you another minute to find your way to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I am so fired up. Pastor Tim mentioned that uh, community group signups have began, have begun. What's the right, uh, what is the right grammar there? Man, it's starting off strong this morning. Starting off strong. I was always nervous in my earliest days of preaching because my sixth grade English teacher was in the congregation. And I just thought, oh man, this is going to be brutal. My grammar is going to be corrected after this sermon a hundred times over. And then in college, some lady came up to me. I was preaching at a little church in West Tennessee in college. And this lady came up to me and, and she, she wanted to, to brag on my grammar. And I said, are you kidding? <laughs> Did you sleep through the sermon this morning? You know, it's like, no, it's like I nailed it that Sunday. I was like, all right, you know, what, what's the saying? A, a blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and then, you know? So, all right. Well, listen, your grammar is just as bad as mine, so if I say it wrong, you're going to think it's right, and we're going to keep moving, right? Okay, I got one amen from Terry. I'll take that. Here's one of the biggest mistakes we make in life. Are you ready for it? You're like, man, I came to be encouraged. I didn't come for you to tell me the biggest mistake I make. It's going to get better, but here's one of the biggest mistakes we make. Are you ready for it? We think, thank you, we, we think, um, we think what we do determines who we are. And it's totally opposite. Who we are should determine what we do. So, so, um, so what I'm anticipating this morning is, is somebody's going to like pull up, pull up their phone and they're going to change their Instagram bio like while I'm preaching this sermon. They're going to change their Twitter bio like while I'm like preaching this sermon because they've thought of themselves in terms of what they do. And, and we reinforce this all the time as we introduce ourselves, right? Because one of the first questions we ask ourselves is, what do you do? 
And, and it just reinforces this idea of what I do is who I am. And I'm here to tell you today that what you do is not who you are. Because what if you get fired tomorrow? Here's the good news. You don't lose your identity. What if you don't make the team next year? The good news is you don't lose your identity. And, and the beautiful thing is that God loves us so much. He loves us so much that when he adopts us into his family, not only does he forgive our sins through his son Jesus, not only does he declare us righteous before a holy God, not only does he secure heaven as our future and forever home, but God, listen to this, God gives you a new identity. He gives you a new identity. Uh, we see a little glimpse of this uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm titling the sermon this morning, I'm rounding third, here I come. And I think at the end of the sermon, you'll see why I'm, I'm titling the sermon this way. I'm rounding third, here I come. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6, look at this with me. Um, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He's been trading out letters uh, to them. And, and now he's given them instruction, but the instruction that he's giving them, he grounds in their identity. In, in other words, he's telling them what to do, but what he's telling them to do is not disconnected from who they are. So the Apostle Paul, in all of his writings, he ties Christian living into Christian identity. In other words, it's who they are that demands what they do. In the Apostle Paul, he's writing a logical argument and he's tying it to this, but we pick up and we see who the Apostle Paul tells the church who they are. He, take, tell, he reminds them of their identity. Look at this with me, uh, picking up in verse 16. He says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. That's what God says about us if you're in Christ today, if you're a Christian today. If you've turned from your sin and trusted Jesus, if you're following him, if you're in a relationship with God through faith in Christ, this is what he says about you. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 17, therefore go out, of, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. And then I will welcome you. Just pause there. The instruction that he was giving them was to turn from worshiping idols, to not um, latch themselves onto the sinful ways of the world, and he's grounding it in who they are. And then look at verse 18, don't miss this. And he says, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. I, I love that the Apostle Paul says, says the Lord Almighty, because there's a lot of people in this world will try to tell you who you are. And none of their voices matter as much as God's voice matters. There's all kinds of people in this world, they're going to try to tell you, well, this is who you are, and this is who you are. And they usually try to tell you, this is who you are because of what you've done, what you've accomplished, where you live, the kind of clothes you wear, the kind of car you drive, the kind of neighborhood you live in, the kind of team that you're on, the kind of grades that you make. And listen, who you are has nothing to do with what you do. So if you make a bad grade, it doesn't impact your identity. If you get fired from the job, your identity is secure. It, what you do flows out of who you are. And here's the good news. When you enter into a relationship with God, you become a son or daughter of God. And God, the Almighty says, 
I'm your father. I'm your father. Listen, uh, every person that you know, every person that you know is looking to try to figure out who they are. And some people's lives look so messed up. And some people are dabbling in this and they're dabbling in that and they're dabbling in this and they're dabbling in that and they're doing all these things because they don't know who they are. And they feel like if I can just find my thing, I'll find out who I am. No, no, no. When you find out who you are, you rest in the truth that it's okay if I don't know what my thing is because it doesn't impact who I am. Do you see that? Do you get that? Um, so what does, what does the scripture say? It, the scripture teaches us that when we're Christians, we are a member of the family of God. So every teenager, every senior adult, every young married couple, don't miss this. If you've trusted in Christ, you are a member of the family of God. Um, about 15 years ago, this hit me in a really fresh and powerful way uh, when our twins were born, um, Lily and Elliot. And, um, uh, I've got a picture here of when they were just first born. This is a picture of Lily here. And what struck me, I've shared this with our church before, but what struck me is that when a child is born, typically, when, when Lily was in the NICU here, they identify the individual first as a member of a family. In other words, this card on her little incubator here identified who she was, but you don't see her name, Lily. What do you see? You see baby Wyatt. In, in other words, the day she was born, they identified her not by her first name, but they identified her by the fact that she was a member of a family. This goes against the grain of our whole society today because our society today, one of the dominating values of our society is radical individualism. It's all about yourself. It's all about what you're doing and don't anybody tell me what to do. It's all about you. And, and the Bible has a different story and a different emphasis. The Bible's emphasis is it's all about him and then it's all about us. Whenever, all through the New Testament, what you see is that Paul was addressing groups of people. What we've popularized in the West is my own individual relationship with God. And I don't want to diminish that today. It's my hope that you wake up and you have alone time with God every day. It's one of the great privileges of being a Christian is you get to access the presence of God. You get to speak to Him knowing that He hears you. You get to read His Word knowing that He's speaking to you through His Word. But don't miss this, our identity is not first and foremost, I have my own individual relationship with God. Our identity is that we are a group of people, we are a family, and we together are called sons and daughters of God. God adopted us not into an individual relationship with Him, God adopted us into His family. That is our identity. So before Lily was ever named Lily by anybody else, they called her baby Wyatt. That's true about you today. That's true about you today. And most of us were taught growing up, you can do anything you set your mind to. And it was like everything, like everything in our life just cultivated this individualistic idea. But it's not about you. It's about us. So when you make decisions, you have to consider how do the decisions I'm making impact my church family? How do the decisions I'm making impact others 
around me. It's not all about what you do and how it impacts you, but it's how about what you do impacts other people. And that's only going to happen if you really anchor into an understanding of who you are. So here we are. The truth this morning is we're part of the family of God. That's who we are. It's not what we do, it's who we are. So in light of who we are, family of God, what do we do? Because what we do flows out of who we are. What do we do? Well, at least once a year, I try to bring all these scriptures and put them on slides so that you can see them and read them because the force of seeing them all together has an impact upon our hearts. I want you to see this. So what do we do? Through the scriptures, you see what we call the one another commandments. And one another commandments are commandments that God has given his people, his family, on how they're to live with one another. And there's dozens of them. There's dozens of them. So you see them on the screen now. Um, What I want to do real quickly is I want to go to the next slide and go to the next slide. And do we have one more? I think there's one more slide. Now go back to the first one. I want you to see all these together because these are commandments that God has not arbitrarily thrown in his word, but rather God has put these with great precision in the sacred scriptures as commandments to his people on how we're to live our lives. It makes sense that if we're part of the family of God, then there's things to live out as the people of God. There's things to do. Well, what are we to do in light of who we are? If we're family, what are we to do? We're to be at peace with one another. We're to love one another. We're to increase and abound in love for one another. We're to keep loving one another. That whole love thing's a pretty big deal, right? <laughs> We're to outdo one another in showing honor. We're to live in harmony with one another. We're to welcome one another. Look at the next slide. We're to instruct one another. So some of us have so incubated our life that no one can instruct us. We, we, have, we have built such walls in our life that we are above instruction. And yet, this is one of the basic commandments that the family of God is to do to one another. We're to instruct one another. We're to comfort one another, greet one another with a holy kiss, agree with one another, serve one another, bear with one another. I told Pastor Tim this week or last week, just in a text, I just said, thank you for bearing with me. <laughs> Some of you are like, you ought to text him that every week, you know, like just thank you for bearing with me, right? But that, that, that's, that's what God commands us to do, with, to bear with one another. In, in, in other words, we make the kind of commitment to one another as a family that we, we don't run. We, we lean in, we bear with, even when it gets hard, be kind to one another. Look at the next slide. Forgive one another. Just pause there. God assumes we're going to hurt one another. (laughs) And some of you have this idea of church that it's like, it's all supposed to be like peaceful relationships and nobody ever gets hurt. Where did you come up with that? Like, where does that come from? Not the Bible, right? Like the whole reason God says forgive one another is because he presupposes that we're going to hurt one another and that we will need to forgive one another. Can you just prepare yourself for that? Somebody here is going to hurt you. And they're going to need you to forgive them. And the Bible, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So they're going to need you to forgive them quickly. 
Do you see it, church? Do you see it? If you see it, say, we see it. Did, did you see what I did there? I said, say, we see it. Not I see it. We see it. Submit to one another. It takes a lifetime to learn how to do that, doesn't it? Admonish one another. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Exhort one another. Listen, every one of these commandments are a gracious gift to you as part of the family of God. Because by God's design, listen, by God's design, he adopted you into a family and then he commanded the rest of the family to do all these things to you and for you. God commanded the family to pray for you. God commanded the, the family to bear with you. God commanded the family to welcome you, to build you up, to encourage you. What a loving God. What a gracious God. He adopted us into a family where we're going to be nurtured spiritually and built up and formed and shaped because we're a part of the family. Do you see it, church? Do you see it? Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Pray for one another. Confess your sins to one another. Be humble toward one another. You see, what we see in the Scripture goes so against the grain of Sunday morning being some kind of Christian event that we consume. What we see in the Scripture is that when we're adopted into the family of God, we lean in, we open up our heart, our lives get enveloped with one another. We're not just family in name. We actually become family in experience and in reality. So as we launch community groups today, we launch sign-ups today, um, I, you look at all these commandments. So where do we do that? Well, in real life, we do that in community groups. So, so what is a community group? A community group is a group of about 12 people that meet regularly, come together for an hour and a half, couple hours a week, and they come together and they share their lives together. They discuss the sermon in an accountable environment. So it's one thing to hear me preach on Sunday or to hear whoever's preaching that morning. It's one thing to hear them preach, but it's a a whole other thing to apply it to your life. So a community group comes together and says, okay, we saw this scripture on Sunday. How are we we living that out in our life? In other words, the book of James says, don't be a hearer of the word only, but be a doer of the word. So community groups are the ways. So in Matthew 28, Jesus He gives the great commission, and he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And then he defines what discipleship is. And what he says discipleship is, he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So teaching them, that's knowledge, that's learning to observe, that's obedience. So so the rhythm of discipleship is hearing God's word, living God's word. So on Sunday, we hear God's word. And in community groups, we sit in a circle and we say, how are we going to live God's word? It's the essence of discipleship. It's the essence of discipleship. So that's what we do in community groups. We come together with 12 people. We sit in a circle and we provide discussion questions for everybody about how they're going to put the word of God into practice in their daily lives. How are we going to live it out? We, we fellowship together. We laugh together. We share joys. We share sorrows. And we pray for one another. That's a community group. That's what we do here. We're not asking anybody to teach a Bible study. We're asking our our facilitators to facilitate discussions. A really good facilitator talks less than anybody in the group because they're asking questions and they're letting people respond about how they're living out the scripture that we just heard. Gracious people open their homes, but can I just tell you, if you're gonna be a community group host, your house does not need to be clean before people come. (gasps) Because our mantra is keep it real, not keep it clean. 
seriously. Like some of you have avoided being a community group host because you cannot keep your house clean. And somebody needs to come to your unclean house because when they walk in your door, the burden on their shoulders is going to go, I don't, I don't have to have a perfectly clean house. And I don't have to wait till my house is perfectly clean before I open it up to people to come in to share burdens and to laugh and to cry and to pray. No, I can keep it real. And my life doesn't have to be perfect for me to be able to open my life to other people. Do you see that? We really do want to keep it real. All the way down to if your house is a wreck. And if there's dog hair, you know. Hey, listen, we're, we've got a community group and I've already invited people, but I did not tell them, I'm, not, I'm probably not cleaning up the dog hair every Sunday afternoon. So come on. Because it's not about a clean house. It's about true fellowship. It's about being the family of God. So this morning, community groups sign up, start. And we've got, um, we've got men community groups and we've got women community groups. We have co-ed community groups and we have single adult community groups. And if you, if you get on the website today or if you stop by the community group table on your way out and you don't find a community group that fits your rhythm, fits your night, fits kind of what you're thinking about, let us know and we'll start a community group around what you need. I, I want to just invite uh, Michael to come up. He's going to give a quick testimony um, about his journey of coming to real life and about his journey. He came up to me a couple of weeks ago and, and said, hey, if you need somebody to give a testimony about being an introvert and, and enjoying community groups, I got a good testimony. So brother, come up and tell us what you got. All right, so uh, a lot of you don't know me. I'm Mike. Uh, my wife Jennifer and son Michael are over there. Uh, we started Real Life about a year ago after being you know, wayward for about 20 years for me. And uh, it was, a, it was a big step because I have anxiety, severe anxiety issues. I don't like groups. I'm sweating being up here. My mind's racing. Uh, it's just something I'm not comfortable with. Uh, so we started real life, and we started mainly because of my son. He kind of he went to a, a, a summer camp, and he pushed us to it. My father passed away the year before. I had been podcasting church. That's how I was getting, you know, my church, and it, it was working for me. Uh, so around October last year. I told my son, we were, we were sitting over there in the restaurant, I'm like, you know what, we're going to church tomorrow. And uh, we did, and it, we've been here every morning at 8.30 since. Uh, the biggest block for me was schedule, so every other weekend I get off of a 12-hour shift at 7 o'clock in the morning, I go home, get a shower, and I come to church. Uh, so we got past that block, we got past the anxiety block. Uh, it, it was really hard for me to stop and say hi to people, so we'd leave church every morning and I'd race for the door. And my wife's like, hey, you got to slow down. You know, we, we got to say hi to people. This is something I need. Uh, so last year around Christmas, I asked my wife for a book. Uh, it was Brant Hansen, one of the podcast, Christian podcasters I listen to. Uh, he has a severe issue that keeps him from being social. Uh, but the name of the book was The Men We Need. Uh, and the first chapter of the book goes into what Freddie T was talking about last week. You know, finding your garden. The, the directive we have as men to grow your garden. So I started, you know, what's my garden? Well, obviously my wife and son. And that's when I realized I, I was failing as a father and a husband because I had taken my garden and I put them in this box uh, and I, I wasn't letting them grow. So then I started thinking about the blocks, you know, what's keeping me from letting them growing? And it was me, I, I was not allowing them to flourish. 
Uh, so I started thinking about community groups. Uh, the biggest block to that was every, every other Wednesday I'm, I'm working. I can't, I can't make a community group. So I stopped and I talked to Justin and Amanda. Uh, and they said, hey, you know what? You come every other Wednesday, let your, wife and come every, let your wife and son come every week. And I can tell you, it's, it's been absolutely amazing. I find myself, uh, every week I stop and I talk, and it's really hard. And for the first couple weeks, I put a smile on, you know, real big. And then after, you know, a couple weeks, that smile's not as forced. It's easier to talk to people. Uh, my, the amazing women that are in my group were the fellowship my wife needed. Uh, she was baptized last Easter, and I've never been more proud of something she's done, and I don't think she gets there without the fellowship of those amazing women. Uh, Amanda and Justin's daughter prayed one night, prayed, for dinner, prayed over dinner before we had dinner. Before that, my son, he, he had problems, you know, praying in our house, but after she saw him pray, he got it. It was just, you know, every other night, he's, he's in there praying for us, and it's an amazing thing to see him grow he doesn't get there without community groups. Like I said, for me, that smile gets easier. Uh, these people in my group are people I care about now. They're, they're part of my extended garden. So if you're having issues committing or finding blocks, uh, the only thing I can say is stay off your day a while. You know, you have a family, grow your family, let your garden flourish. So good, bro. So good. So good. It's who we are that determines what we do. So are you a part of the family of God? If you're not, today you can become a son or daughter of God by trusting in Jesus. By turning to him and turning your whole life over to him and letting Jesus be your Lord and your Savior. You can become part of the family of God in an instant. Many of you here this morning would say, I'm part of the family of God. So how is that going to shape what you are, are you going to take all those one another commandments and just set them aside and say, not for me? Or are you going to say, no, I'm a part of the family. I've, I've got to live this out. I've got to let my life be shared with others and be enveloped with others. I, I said this last week, but there are things that God wants to do in your life, giving you power to overcome sin, giving you greater hope letting your anxiety fall. There, there's all kinds of things that God wants to do in your life that you will never accomplish apart from allowing your life to be enveloped in community. Why? Because he didn't design you to function and flourish solo. He designed you as a member of a family. So you're designed to flourish by the maker who made you in community. Listen, we don't put too much pressure on community groups, so if you jump into a group and it's just not clicking for you, we can help you find another group. If you, if you try a couple of groups and those two aren't clicking for you, we'll, we'll help you find another group. We'll start a group around what, what, you, what you need and where you are. Um, I want to encourage you this morning to intentionally put yourself in an environment that helps facilitate these one another's. Some of the one another's can happen in this place. They've already been happening this morning. It's beautiful to see the body of Christ be the body of Christ in this way. But they really happen in a powerful way when you intentionally put yourself in an environment where it's going to happen. In, in, other words, in other words, the one another's don't happen randomly. They happen when we 
are intentional, when we're intentional. Tim Keller once said, in a mobile culture such as ours, we lose our friends faster than we can forge them. We don't have all the friends our hearts need. You feel that? You feel like you got a bunch of acquaintances but no true friends? You feel like you got a, a bunch of people that greet you with a smile and say hello and ask you how your week was and you always say fine or good, and, but nobody really knows your burdens? You don't have any true friends? That can change this fall. That can change. Step into a community group. Watch what God will do. Um, I stumbled upon this picture this week and I thought, what a beautiful picture of community group. I'm not a Cubs fan, but one of my sons is, so he'll appreciate this. I see that fist pump on the back row. All right. I love this picture because I thought, man, what a great picture of community group here. You got one guy and he's trying to accomplish something in his life. The Bible, the Bible says we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And this guy just went yard. He just hit a home run. And I kind of like to think of, you know, like I don't know, like I don't know if the third base coach is the pastor, you know. And all the people around home plate, like the team is his community group. And everybody in the stands is like the whole church. Do you see that? Do you, do you, do you see that this morning? And it's like the whole church is cheering on what just happened. But they don't really know what it took. They, they don't really know. But the people around home plate, they've been practicing. They've been showing up. They've been encouraging this guy. They've, they've been working drills together. So they know more intimately than all those others know what it took to get that guy to go yard. And here they are, ready to rejoice in what he's rejoicing in. I, I kind of like to think about this picture being the first night of community group. <laughs> when you walk in the door. Maybe you've never gotten the courage. Maybe you've been too hurt in the past. Maybe you're like Michael and you're like, I, I'm sweating and I'm forcing the smile the first few weeks. You heard the transformation that took place. And I just like to think as you're rounding third, like you're walking up the sidewalk. And when you walk in the door, you got people that are like, you made it, you're here. This is gonna be messy, and, but it's awesome, way to go. That's what community group's all about. And I'm praying for you, that God will stir in your heart, for you to take a step, for you to make the time, for you to devote the time, for you to figure it out. For you to quit letting all those excuses that you use prevent you from, from doing it. Our students, I love how they're rocking the front rows. Right on, isn't this beautiful? So awesome to see them up here. And our students have their own community groups every Sunday night. They got a big group session and they break into smaller groups every, every Sunday night. And man, they, like, they're really leading the way for us, church. They're really leading the way for us. So you guys keep at it. And if you're not yet there on Sunday nights, show up. You got a community group right there. People to love you and to pray for you and support you and to remind you that your identity is not in what you do and what you accomplish, but it's in who God says you are. Man, we need that, don't we? I'm going to pray. We're going to worship, and God's going to get the glory in it all. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name and by your spirit, we worship you and we praise you. Father, would you give us courage and faith to step forward today, to... to to step into a group and to see what you're going to do. Father, shape us and mold us 
so that we're a beautiful bride for your son, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We give you the glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's sing out, church. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.